planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everyone, it's Los. Another week, well, not even almost in the books by the time you listen to this one, because we have Tuesday night football this week for the first time ever. How exciting is that? Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, luckily, it sounds like no further positive tests this morning for Tennessee. Uh, so hopefully, knock on wood, it'll stay that way. Yep, hopefully they've uh, decided to get their act together, figure out how to adhere to the guidelines set by the league, and hopefully there's no more big issues like this going forward. But I guess we've seen uh, what the answer is, just change the rest of the season schedule for every for every other team to reflect it, right? Yeah, and I believe they said in a worst-case scenario, um, they do have uh, like a some sort of scenario sets where there would be football in week 18 so hopefully we don't get to that point but we shall see it's certainly gonna be a a very unique season i don't think i'd mind an extra week of football if we're being honest well it it would kind of suck for you know teams who might have fantasy starters who are out weeks 15 or 16 if if those teams are on buys that's a great point okay you make a good point um but yeah outside of that uh certainly nothing wrong with more football and uh we do have a lot of football this week even with four teams on by so plenty to unpack from the week five chaos Uh, but first do you guys like to make prop bets each week If so, Thrive Fantasy is perfect for you, offering DFS-style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week and compete against other players on how many you get right. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur, so the more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you to place and win money. Thrive has paid out over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018. And if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up for an account and deposit $20 minimum, you're going to receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account. Check check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or of course you can play online at thrivefantasy.com. Who doesn't love another platform to engage yourself in football? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always down for more football, more fantasy, more prop bets, whatever it might be. Uh, I do think fantasy ties in a lot with prop bets uh, for player over-unders on receptions, rushing yards, completions, touchdowns, all those things. Well, that's basically got it. And that, that's, you know, tapping into that, the classic prop bets of the Super Bowl uh, that have been going on for decades, decades. Yeah, I mean, that's why there's so much action uh, for the Super Bowl, right? Yep, absolutely. All right, so kicking off the week six previews, uh, there is no Thursday night game. Originally, we were supposed to get uh, Buffalo against Kansas City on Thursday night, but uh, with all the games that got shuffled around due to 
the positive COVID test for New England and Tennessee. We do not have a Thursday night game. Um, in case you guys are wondering why we're jumping right into the Sunday slate, uh, these are the noon Eastern 1 p.m. Central games. And the first one here is Houston at Tennessee. And the big story here, of course, is Brandon Cook's huge explosion. He was dropped in quite a few leagues after a disappointing start to the year, and rightfully so, but now we finally get to see his upside, even if he figures to remain inconsistent going forward. How do you view Cook's going forward, Los? Wide receiver three, flex, better, worse? Yeah, I might have overreacted a little bit to the zero targets uh, on the entire game for Cooks last week. I might be regretting slightly dropping him a little bit, or I might not. Um, I don't really like this Texans offense. Um, they were practically playing a non-existent defense here. It's, it's probably best to let someone else burn all their fab on him. Um, but the 12 targets, 160 yards, and a touchdown and wide receiver one finish do look like a uh, Baker's dozen of worth of egg on my face. I think that right now he's probably startable as a wide receiver three, but you know I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna double down on the loss and myself I'm not gonna go spending a bunch of fab on him. You know? Sure, I think he can help teams who do need help at wide receiver, especially in deeper leagues. Um, but certainly we do expect Will Fuller to still be uh, the better play in Houston among the wide receivers. And then. Agreed. Uh, Yep. And then on the Tennessee side, uh, we'll see how the Titans look tomorrow after their quote-unquote bye week. Uh, A.J. Brown potentially back from that bone bruise, although Corey Davis is probably going to still be on COVID IR for this game. But uh, for next week's game, it sounds like they should potentially have both Brown and Davis back. And assuming that happens, uh, I'm going to take Tennessee here. Yeah, that is odd to me that um, Davis is already sort of being assumed to be gone. I, I, I'm real curious to see how that plays out because he's really the first, at least pseudo-fantasy relevant player, depending on how deep your league is, uh, that, that's being affected by this sort of thing. Uh, I am going to take Tennessee as well. Should be a really, really big day for Derrick Henry. Yep, in the next game here we've got Cincinnati at Indianapolis, and Joe Burrow got absolutely eaten alive by that Baltimore defense. So I don't love this game either for any of the Bengals uh, against a strong Colts defensive line. My two big takeaways from the game against Baltimore, though, are one, it's good news for you if you have Joe Mixon on your fantasy roster. His usage as a receiver stayed very high, tying uh, for the team lead in targets with eight. So that's obviously a sigh of relief for those relying on Mixon. Uh, and then with A.J. Green potentially out a week or more with a hamstring injury, T. Higgins, he becomes a priority add off waivers this week. Uh, could certainly establish himself as the number one on an offense that going forward is going to need to throw a ton this year. You have taken the words out of my mouth entirely. T. Higgins led the team in wide receiver targets. This is the official changing of the guard. Don't miss out. He should be rostered in every league that A.J. Green was drafted in, which is every league. Um, and yeah, Joe Mixon, eight targets, tough matchup versus Baltimore. He's going to see more of the same heading forward. Yep, and on the Colts side here, Phillip Rivers still looks like Phillip Rivers, uh, getting $25 million to shot put some balls around. Probably do that. Um, but, you know, that's really not good <laughs> I'd news. I'd like to. <laughs> right? Um, every time I see his throwing motion, I just, it looks so awkward to me. Uh, uh, I mean,. I don't know. That's an old arm. Yeah. But not everybody, you know, he's not, he's not the plant man. Not everybody is TB12. Not everybody has that conditioning. 
no, it's certainly uh, after popping out, you know, 27 kids, I feel like that arm is uh, <laughs> looking after rough. After he popped them out. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. you know, um, but that's... Uh, Dan, the, I think we got to teach Mung a little biology lesson sometime. <laughs> well, you know, Philip Rivers trying to get those uh, assists, right? Yeah, there you go, see? You know, mixing in some basketball there, see? I like it, see? Well, all right. We said see six times in the last four seconds. Yeah, and, uh, you know, even even with Rivers' arm looking how it is, this should be a pretty good week for Jonathan Taylor. Um, Jordan Wilkins was heavily involved the last few weeks, but Taylor finally dominated the carries, which should make him a solid RB2 against a pushover Bengals run defense here. And then T.Y. Hilton uh, finally saw a ton of targets, 10 targets against the Browns when they were trailing but it's still hard to trust Hilton this week, isn't it? Uh, in a game where the Colts, I, I should think, would lead for the most part. I do not trust him at all. Uh, I've got him down in Brandon Cook's territory in, in my mind. So if I had another option or a better upside option, I would lean that way. Uh, just to put some numbers on the Jonathan Taylor uh, domination, he had 12 of the 16 carries this week and three targets, while Jordan Wilkins, who was my major point of frustration, saw the ball only one time. Better things are ahead. I think Taylor's an RB1 this week. Mm, see, I'm hesitant to just, I'm hesitant to be on board with that, only because I do think that when they are going to be ahead, we're going to see Wilkins again. I, that That's my fear. It's a, it's a solid fear to have. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, all that being said, I will take the Colts. Yeah, absolutely. Give me the Colts. All right, next game uh, is going to be very interesting to see which team can choke away their lead first. Uh, it's going to be Atlanta <laughs> at Minnesota. Uh, the Falcons are in absolute shambles here. Dan Quinn and uh, Dimitrov both getting fired. Maybe that'll give them some life, but I don't think so. Uh, I think, you know, with Houston, we saw that, you know, that really gave them some life, but... There were rumors that a lot of players on the Texans did not like Bill O'Brien, whereas it sounds like many players did like Dan Quinn and did not want to see him fired. So I'm not sure that that same narrative is in play, if that's what you're chasing here. Uh, I, I really don't think you can rely on any Falcons players right now in fantasy outside of Ridley and Gurley. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I buy that narrative. If this was the 80s, early 90s, sure. But I don't know how much loyalty... I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the NFL, but it just does not seem like the same game. I mean, I, I always take it back to, you know, the heated rivalries of the Bears and Packers of, you know, my entire childhood and everyone's childhood before that. Nowadays, do Bears players hate Packers players? No, they all they all go out on the weekends. So I, I don't know if I necessarily buy the rallying around a coach, which is why Houston won. I think Houston won because Jacksonville defense absolutely stinks. Sure. I mean, there's definitely truth to that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, can't trust Russell Gage. Uh, a lot of people are high on Ola Mide Zacchaeus, I think. No way. Um, but you know, even with Julio out, it's kind of like when DJ Chark was out for Jacksonville, um, where Minshew and the entire offense just struggled. And that's what we're seeing yep. with Julio out. Totally agree. If Julio does not play, do not start Matt Ryan. Yeah. Can't, uh, can't argue with that one. Um, and then we're going to see also on the other side of the ball uh, whether or not Dalvin Cook can play. He left the game uh, briefly against Seattle. He was able to come back for one snap but didn't touch the ball. 
Uh, if he is held out because Minnesota is on their bye in two weeks, you know, Alexander Madison becomes a great RB2 candidate for short-term help at running back, even if it's just for one game here. And then the other interesting thing that I wanted to note was that Irv Smith played a season-high 68% of the snaps on offense against the Seahawks, and he ran a pass route on 73% of those snaps. So his playing time is trending up a little bit, still not a fantasy a reliable fantasy tight end this week but with the Falcons secondary as devastated as it is by these injuries Irv Smith's interesting as a streamer this week with Robert Tanyan if you remember having scored three touchdowns against them I think everybody listening to the show absolutely remembers that um Adam Thielen has absolutely been on fire I think he's the wide receiver one on the year right now and if Cook's out early Madison's got to be the top wave I I you know, spoiler alert, I don't want to jump into the later section, but I think Madison has to be darn near the top of, uh, of priorities here, especially for teams that are in the lower half of their uh, of their league. Uh, I think if Cook's out, I think he's an immediate running back one. He was almost a running back one in the limited work he had this week. Yeah, so I do have a note in there. Uh, Madison and Mike Boone, who we'll talk about a little bit on the waiver section mm. too, um, they are both actually not in the top two or three running back ads, but I do have a note that they are the top ad if you absolutely need a win this week because I think long-term this isn't a, a serious injury for Cook. Yeah, no, definitely should not be long-term, but Madison's a guy that was drafted in a lot of leagues. He was dropped in a lot of leagues, so maybe he's there. Maybe he's not. Um, very, very ta- talented player, Alexander Alexander Ma- Madison. Yeah, he, I mean, he looks very similar to Dalvin Cook out there. Just you wait. Just you wait. And, uh, man, this is a game that I'm staying far, far away from if, if you're going to be betting on these games. But <laughs> I'll lean Minnesota for this pick'em. Yeah, I think Minnesota takes this one um, pretty pretty well in hand, actually. Really, I don't quite know about that. Um, I've learned not to trust either of these teams. Mm, Captain Kirk, man. you got to have faith. <laughs> maybe. Maybe we'll like that next week. But uh, right now, let's move on to Denver at New England. And I guess the silver lining of this game getting pushed back to the positive COVID tests is that instead of Brett Rippon and Brian Hoyer, we're going to see Drew Locke and Cam Newton, hopefully. All right. But uh, sadly for the Broncos, assuming that Noah Fant is out again with that ankle injury, there's really not a whole lot of fantasy relevance here. Jerry Judy uh, should be a solid wide receiver three with some target volume here. And then potentially Tim Patrick in deeper leagues if you're desperate. Um, And then Melvin Gordon, who had such a great game against the Jets two weeks ago, he drops down to, I think, more of a high-end RB3 or flex with Philip Lindsay expected to be back and probably stealing a few carries here and there. I agree. A lot of messy running back situations. We'll touch on a few more of them as this episode continues. Um, Not one that I love in Denver, especially not against New England Patriots. Yeah, and speaking of the Patriots, uh, quick question for you. I think the most intriguing thing to talk about in this offense with Sony Michelle on IR right now, is Damian Harris a viable RB3 or flex this week? And would it be crazy to consider starting him over Gordon? No, it would not be crazy. He certainly has the upside. Denver's defense has had some holes. So I would do it in a pinch. Um, but gosh, those Belichick running backs, every single season we talk about it, um, just when they look like they're about to go off, he comes in and Brandon Bolden has a two-touchdown game for you, right? 
Yeah, and the other concern is potentially if, uh, you know, if Cam Newton is back and steals those goal line carries as well. Mm-hmm. Which he can certainly do, has done, I believe, uh, even after missing the week. I think he still leads the team in rushing. Uh, that would not shock me at all. And uh, with Cam Newton being back, I am going to take the Patriots here. Yeah, Patriots. All right, next game up is going to be the NFC least. Uh, Washington at Ooh. the New York Giants. It sounds like Kyle Allen's going to start if his arm is okay, but what does that really mean? Uh, I mean, J.D. McKissick is still stealing passing down work from Antonio Gibson, so that's not great for him, but... This should be a great rushing matchup in a game where they're not going to be trailing by a lot uh, as they were against the Rams. So I like Gibson as a low on RB2 this week, better than Gordon or Harris, who just we, we, who we just talked about. And then Terry McLaurin, uh, what do you think about him going forward? Because it's hard to tell how the target share is going to get divvied up, whether it's Kyle Allen or uh, Alex Smith at this point, because say what you will about Dwayne Haskins, he wasn't great, but at least he was peppering McLaurin with targets. Mm-hmm. I I think McLaurin is going to turn out to be pretty quarterback proof. I really do. He he's the class of the he, he's the most talented player on that team. There's no reason they should not get back to them. Whether it was defensive scheming against him or something that's been holding him back for the past, I guess, two weeks really. I'm not abandoning ship just yet. I'm not I'm not too scared. DJ Moore just showed us that you can certainly turn things around and there's nobody that's on this team that's going to consistently out target him. So so the DJ Moore comparison is not that uh is not that uh accurate at all that I just made. But the point is that, that the, the talent's going to win out sooner or later. Yeah, I would think so. Um, so you're saying, if, if possible, McLaurin would be a buy low after that uh, off sure. game against the Rams? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, on the Giants side here, uh, another talented wide receiver who we finally got to see that game we've been waiting for, uh, Darius Slayton. Uh, huge, huge target volume and came up big on some plays. Um, Washington's secondary is a bit more stingy against wide receivers than Dallas's was, but Slayton's a fine flex if he continues to see this kind of target share going forward um, while Sterling Shepard's out and Golden Tate doesn't seem to be contributing much either. And it's also good that they're involving Ingram a little bit more, even as a rusher, but still just two targets against the Cowboys is not great. He does not look to be a reliable tight end option right now. I disagree. He did have a very, very nice touchdown that was called back by a holding call. So if that connects, I think everybody's singing a little bit different tune. Uh, you're you're correct in that Washington is a little more stingy on the outside receiver. So I expect a pretty solid game from Evan Ingram here. I mean, that's tough, though. Even on that touchdown that got called back, that was on a fake uh, fake field goal or fake punt. I can't remember which it was. I mean, no, I thought... it was just a play. Are you sure? I thought that he was, was just a wide fake. open. Hmm. All right. Um, I was paying more Maybe attention to the other games, but I could have sworn that was on some Maybe sort I'm of on. a trick play there. So There was a trick, but I don't think it was a... I don't know. Uh, my bad. That's my bad, everyone. I well, should I should have locked that one in. I mean, in that case, maybe he had multiple touchdowns called back, which is good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's also be. not good that you know, you know, it just doesn't help on, on these on these sort of penalties. Like Tyree Kill should have had three touchdowns, but right. uh, you know, all these ifs and buts. Uh, you know what they Certainly. say. 
Exactly. Uh, I think we should touch on the running back situation. Devontae Freeman, to me, is a very startable asset this week uh, in, a, in an especially tough year for running backs around the league. He's looking better than a guy that uh, went unsigned until the start of the se- until a couple weeks into the season. I, I don't know if there was some sort of vendetta against Devontae Freeman, but he certainly does not look like, you know, worse than a lot of running backs I see out there for teams. Yeah, and more importantly, you know, uh, I think the volume is there for him, which keeps yep. him in that flex mix. Um, all that being said, I guess I'm taking Washington here. I am actually going to hang on to the Giants here. I think Daniel Jones, though I'm not going to go after starting him, I, I think this is his get-right game. We talked about Dallas, but Dallas might have just been a bit too much pressure to stand up to that offense and um, Dak Prescott, who, of course, we'll talk about him later. I, I think I think Daniel Jones does just fine here. All right, we'll see. You are up uh, two games on our pick so far for the year, so hopefully yeah. I'll make up some ground here. Um, I should have stayed at three if it wasn't for the, the darn Falcons, but they're now coachless, so not my fault. <laughs> we shall see. Um, <laughs> the next game up here, Baltimore at Philadelphia. Are we are we concerned about Lamar Jackson, Los? He's been pretty inconsistent this year, and I don't know if it's the knee injury, but he hasn't been running as much. Uh, is he a buy for you with the Ravens Week 7 buy on the horizon, or... Are you trying to sell high on him as a name value if you picked up a guy like Minshew or Fitzpatrick or you're in a league where there's plenty of QBs out there that you can stream them pretty easily? Yeah, I'm pretty lukewarm either way. Uh, It's my belief that if you're trying to buy him from the guy that drafted him in the second or first round or third, depending on your league, you're probably still going to have to pay for Lamar Jackson. I, I I don't really see people, you know, spending early round quarterback and then dumping them that quickly. But if you can do it, I guess I would if you could get, you know, 40, 50 cents on the dollar. But otherwise, like, I like to wait late. I like to use these these streaming quarterbacks a heck of a lot more than I like to spend early on them. I'm not too concerned about our reigning MVP. He's going to be just fine. Okay. And on the Philadelphia side here, uh, you know, we saw Carson Wentz take five sacks from Pittsburgh, and it's not likely to get much better this week with Baltimore loving the blitz. The big story, of course, is Travis Fulgham, who has apparently become the guy with Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager all out. Uh, If you need short-term help at wide receiver, he's worth an ad. Long-term, though, do you think he can maintain enough of a role to be a reliable fantasy starter? I'm not bidding on him. It's just not happening. Okay. I, I think he's worth it, you know, if you need a one-week rental, something like that, uh, especially in deeper leagues where, you know, there aren't as many big-name guys out there on the waiver wire. Uh, but That's what zero-dollar bids are for. Yeah. I mean, all right. So I, I do want to take us back to Baltimore for a moment just to talk about the running back situation, if, if that's all right with you. Sure. So uh, just to dial into the numbers, because, you know, I love to get get way too deep in this stuff. I'm basically trying to illustrate why you don't want to start running backs from what could be the best offense in the NFL. Against the Bengals, Ingram went 11 carries for 57. Dobbins had one carry and three targets, all of which he caught. And Edwards had seven carries and three targets, catching zero. Ingram totaled you 5.7 points. Dobbins 8.5 and Edwards just two and a half. 
you cannot start Ravens. You should sell Ingram immediately if somebody's needy at running back with a, with an injury. Try and sell him to the uh, Delvin Cook owner uh, rosterer if uh, if possible. But it's time to buy out, sell, sell, sell on the uh, running backs uh, for the Ravens. I, I'd hold on to Dobbins. I should I should clarify that. I'd hold on him, but I would not have him in a starting roster anywhere. Yeah, to your point of uh, selling Ingram, if at all possible, um, I saw Rich Rebar tweet this out earlier. Um, <laughs> Mark Ingram, in terms of so, in terms of runs that result in a first down, Ingram is last on the Ravens among wow. the three running backs. Uh, he's also third uh, behind Edwards and Dobbins in terms of five or more yard gains, um, and then Dobbins leads. Uh, all the Ravens running backs in 10 yard gains or more. And then Edwards is second and Ingram is again last. So Jeez. wow. when you fall off, you really fall off hard. Um, it's, it's only going to be a matter of time. I mean, it might be week 10, 11 before Dobbins takes over, but it's not going to happen now. Yeah, it's certainly tough, but, uh, you know, hopefully maybe after the bye, uh, the Ravens will kind of come to their senses. And, you know, if, if JK Dobbins is out there on the waivers, that's when I would be picking them up is sure. uh, during their bye week sure and on the other side of the football not to keep being the bearer of bad news but this was a really bad game bad sign for zach Ertz, i think here one catch for six yards and basically zero separation that i saw the entire game uh i think it's time to find another option it's probably too late so i i think I'm a little bit on the other side of the coin here because we haven't seen Ertz been, I mean, he's always been a volume guy, right? That's why he was so great in, sure. in fantasy, in PPR sure. formats. You know, you would see those dump downs from Wentz, you know, 10 targets, nine catches for like 50 yards, right? Okay. Um, and I think that he'll be, he's either a hold or a buy for me because I do think sure. in a couple of weeks when we see Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager eventually come back and actually threaten defenses downfield, right now, you know, they're really keying in on stopping Ertz. And once there are other options for once to go to to kind of spread that coverage around, I do think that Ertz is going to kind of go back to that check down guy. Well, what do you do in the meantime, and you know, in the four weeks until that happens? Well, with yeah. your with the guy you spent a third or fourth rounder on. Well, I, I have very few shares of Ertz at that price. Uh, I, I think I grabbed him. Yeah, I have him in leagues. zero places. Yeah, I have him in a few leagues where he slipped to the fifth or sixth, and at that point, you know, I thought well, he was different. enough of a value. But sure. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to rely on him right now, but at the same time. You know, unless you've got Kittle or Kelsey or Andrews or Waller, do you really have better options? Better than one for six? Uh, well, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I, I it's do a think... tough situation. T tight end sucks, just like it always does, but it seems like he's in that pack of crap now. Yeah, I guess I guess if you have a winning record, I would recommend holding on to it for now. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, Ravens. Yeah, absolutely, Ravens. Yep. All right. Uh, the next game here, I think, is really gonna be telling. Um, and I think this could turn out to be a really good game. Cleveland, uh, they have a great run game and a solid defense. These were staples as to how the Vikings made the playoffs the last couple of years, and 
you know, given their record, there's a greater than 70% chance right now, mathematically, that they're going to make the playoffs. Stefanski's used that Minnesota blueprint for Cleveland uh, with good results. Um, all that being said, even though they're run heavy, they did throw a lot this week. Austin Hooper surprisingly led the team with 10 targets, and then Beckham and Landry each saw nine. Are you buying this passing game, or is this another fluky game? I wouldn't call it fluky, but I wouldn't go buying on it. I think this is um, not not fluky, not an outlier, but a, a good ceiling. You know, I, I don't see them doing much better than this, but but it was solid. It certainly was nice. Okay, so I mean, it's if anything, it reinforces your idea then that these Browns wide receivers can remain fantasy viable. Yeah, well, I'm still selling or dropping Jarvis Landry. I just don't really see the upside on him. Okay, gotcha. Um, I, I certainly don't think Landry is a must-hold, but at the same time, we did see some of the upside here in this game. So really depends on your options and how deep your league gets. As for the Pittsburgh side here, Chase Claypool. Man, oh man, what a game. Um, four total touchdowns. Crazy. Uh, and we're going to check in on Deontay Johnson's back injury later this week. Uh, keep track of that. But, you know, in the offseason, I compared Claypool to kind of Martavis Bryant uh, without the off-field issues. Uh, Roethlisberger, of course, loves his big outside wide receivers. I have a question for you, Los. Sure. If you had to pick right now, rest of season PPR, how would you rank the three Steelers wide receivers? I don't know yet because I have to see how Deontay's um, back is going to shape up. What what exactly let's, happened let's and how assume, bad it is? Let's assume he's back next week. Assume he's back. Let's just call them all healthy and back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the the rank still stays chalk with the draft. Honestly, to me, it still does stay Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and then Chase Claypool, but. That is with Juju Smith-Schuster shifted way down from where he was drafted. I, I think the emergence, I think Claypool's emergence here is a really great positive thing for the Steelers as a unit, but I think this will detract a little bit from each of their consistency on the fantasy standpoint. Sure, any of them can hit you know highs of a ceiling of a wide receiver one on the week, so, sort of thing like that, but it's going to make it more difficult to predict which is hitting in each times, and that's going to be Juju. I, I can't even say in a PPR anymore, but I just still have faith that he is the one, even though he hasn't shown it. Okay. I think I'd still sell him though, because that's that's. I don't think I don't think the question you asked grabs an accurate response for me as to how i'm feeling i'm way down on smith schuster the rest of the season sure and i think my hesitation with deontay johnson is that he just hasn't shown that he can stay healthy i mean that's the biggest concern with him because well, you said assuming it was healthy man come right. on no no, no. I, yeah that was the question <laughs> but i'm just saying that's the big concern with him right um but yeah oh, sure i mean assuming health I, I would actually still go with deontay johnson but Number one, okay. Yeah, I mean, his target share when both he and Juju were healthy was just... It certainly has been. 10-plus yeah. the first two weeks, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, here we are, and uh, here we go, I guess. <laughs> here we, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to take Pittsburgh here, but I think there's a, there's a real chance the Browns could take this game. There's always a chance. Uh, Cleveland has played, played spoiler to the Steelers before. Those AFC North games are always tough and fun to watch. I'm going to take Pittsburgh at home. 
Yep. All right. Next game up here is going to be Chicago at Carolina. You know, Los, uh, before the Thursday night game, I actually took Tampa Bay plus three and a half in a few bets because I really wasn't sure how the offense would do with Godwin out and Howard out and Evans. You call kinda... yourself a Bears fan. Well, I mean, hey, I mean, I took uh, I took the plus three and a half for Tampa. So clearly I gave the Bears a, a fighting chance and turned out OK. Um, you know, that Bucks offense really struggled to get going and the offensive line struggled to protect Brady. So I don't know that things are going to get much easier this week against a solid Green Bay defense. And I'm worried about Mike Evans facing off against Jair Alexander, especially if Evans isn't 100 percent healthy from that high ankle sprain. I think he's a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three for me this week. Really tough. Yep, that's that's all he is. If he doesn't score a touchdown, you're going to regret starting him. It was promising to see him get a few more targets here. We expected this with Tone, when Cohen was gone, but we've only seen it one week. I can't really uh, say that that's solid evidence anymore for the Chicago offense. I cannot trust my gut or my brain anymore because Matt Nagy has made me question everything I know about football as far as it goes for the Bears. Um, same story with Allen Robinson. If he's looking at 10-plus targets weekly, he's a solid, great, amazing floor wide receiver one, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, how much is a, a Nick Foles target worth compared to, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, Patrick Mahomes' target, like 60% of a target, <laughs> 0.6, something well, like that. if Allen Robinson's the one car uh, catching it, it might be more like, you know, 90%. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes was throwing it to uh, Allen Robinson. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, speaking of David Montgomery, he finally got that first rushing touchdown of the year for the Bears. Uh, but I do think the bigger story is the eight targets in the passing game. He continues to be, you know, getting that workhorse type role with Tariq Cohen out for the year. I, I think Montgomery's a strong RB2 with a high floor and ceiling in PPR formats. Uh, you know, question, well, who would you rather have right now? Nick Chubb or David Montgomery? Nick Chubb. Okay. Um, even if you're, let's say, one and four, two and three, you need running back help right now. Uh, well, I mean, hmm. is that is that a trade you would consider? No, but I but I I would try and find another way to manufacture wins. I personally don't try to sell off major assets that I trust in, and I trust that in four or five weeks you're going to have a running back one on your roster if you hang out a Nick Chubb. Um, I would, heck, I'd start J.D. McKissick before I traded Nick Chubb for David uh, Montgomery. Ooh, see, I'm on the other side here. I, I would take Montgomery because I think even when Chubb comes back, it's, you know, Kareem Hunt has showed very well. I think he's going to continue to see that 50-50 split, and it's going to be tough. Um, you know, it, it just caps Chubb's ceiling, I think. Chubb was a running back, too, and one in week two, right? Yes definitely okay um, i was just checking no you won that bet uh, pretty handily i think he was a top five guy but uh i, I am do nervous not doubt nick chubb okay just don't do it all just right don't do it. well i think we're just on. i'm trying to say i'm trying to save you from yourself so many times here mom <laughs> well i i'm gonna continue to disagree here um all that being said uh man uh let's talk about the carolina side here yep 
Um, Teddy Bridgewater really lit it up against Atlanta, as pretty much every quarterback has. Uh, Mike Davis looks like basically Christian McCaffrey out there. Um, really no concerns uh, about him as long as McCaffrey's out. And then, Maybe McCaffrey isn't as good as we all think he is. He's a system running back. Mike Davis was on the Bears. He did nothing. Well, I mean, I think this is a – I mean – to be fair, I, I, I do think that the system helps McCaffrey, but certainly I, I think he'd be picking up more yards than Davis has. Um, although Davis, to his credit, has played very well. It was a joke. Don't at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, uh, you like yeah, both of those guys, but you know, DJ Moore is still seeing fewer targets. I know he exploded against Atlanta, but going forward, I, I, I think I still want Robbie Anderson over Moore. Yeah, he didn't just trail Anderson in targets. Anderson had 13 compared to his five. I mean, when you're more than doubling your alleged wide receiver one's target share, not production, not yardage, but target share, in addition to the you know other things, it becomes problematic for that wide receiver one. Uh, if you started Anderson, uh, you would have been just as happy. They both had 19 points on the day, despite Anderson not scoring a touchdown. <sighs> If you could swap them, like, I, I don't know if there's any leagues where you could do this, but if you could sell more for Anderson Plus, I'd go for it. Are you talking about redraft or dynasty? Redraft, redraft. Okay. Um, in dynasty, what do you think the gap is? If hey. any. You're really pressing me there. I'd have to do a lot of thinking on that. I mean, I want to see a se- I, for Dynasty. I would want to see a season worth of this before getting rid of a guy that I probably drafted with the fourth overall pick. Yeah. So the only thing I would I would keep in mind in Dynasty is that Anderson is 27 years old, um, and he is on a on a, a two year deal. Um, so just something yeah, what is to keep more, in like mind. Like 23. Yeah, uh, I believe maybe 22 so. actually. Let's see. DJ Moore. I'll check. I'm on it. He is 23 as of April. Yeah. Yep. yeah, but I think redraft for sure. I want Anderson at this point. Um, he's not only seeing more targets, but uh, I wrote about him last week on my Dynasty Buys and Sells article. Um, he's seeing uh, higher leverage targets too, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, whereas Moore is getting those deep shots with a lower percentage of connecting, especially with Bridgewater, who's historically struggled with deeper throws. Um, but maybe this changes after the DJ Moore touchdown because that was a short crosser route that he went and took 60 yards to the house on his own feet. Yeah, the only thing is that uh, they're it was not the Atlanta be defense, the Falcons every week. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, scary, scary, so, scary. I mean, you know, it's crazy to think that the Bears are four and one to this point, but I guess credit given where credits due, I'm going to take Chicago. Yeah, I didn't want to, but I think this defense uh, comes up with a win for Chicago here. All right. Um, Hopefully the Bears will pull off. We'll see. Um, The next game here, Detroit and Jacksonville. So fresh off the bye. Uh, You know, the Jaguars defense certainly doesn't scare you. I think Stafford's a fine starter. Of course, Gale should be 100% healed up by now from that hamstring injury. And if you need help at running back or flex this week, this is a Jacksonville defense that's allowed 150 rushing yards to Joe Mixon and 96 to David Johnson in back-to-back weeks now. So Peterson, I think, is a decent bet for 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. 
Yep. Maybe Marvin Jones if he was dropped, which he has been in a lot of leagues if you're desperate. All right. On the Jacksonville side here, we're going to have to watch DJ Shark's uh, ankle injury. But LaVisca Chenault continues to be featured in this offense. He's another waiver ad who we've talked about now for a week or two, and he could be a solid wide receiver three uh, with upside rest of the season given his expanded role here. Chenault and James Robinson are certainly two of this year's biggest surprises so far. Yeah, Robinson would have had a solid enough 12-point day if it wasn't for this ridiculous fourth down call that was doomed totally from the start, ended in a lost fumble. I don't even know yet if he was supposed to be rushing that around the edge or if he was supposed to be throwing it, and I don't think he does either. Um, I'm not going to make the mistake of calling him a running back one again, but he's about as good a floor as you're going to get as a running back two. Yeah, certainly don't mind starting him in a pinch. Uh, I'm going to take Jacksonville here, I think. Another tough one. Two in a row. Jacksonville at home. Detroit. Give me the Lions. Right. On the road. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't but... know why I don't just pick every game the same as you rest the season since I have the lead, but, you know. <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> no. No, no. Uh, I mean, I'll give you I'll give you Detroit, but be careful what you wish for. Will you give me uh, Detroit plus uh, like seven points or so? Sure won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the afternoon slate then. Um, New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins, our first game up. Jameson Crowder's a wide receiver too. Le'Veon Bell's an okay flex and anything to add before we head over to the Miami side? No, just that I saw exactly what I was looking for out of Flacco. I was a little concerned about Crowder, but he did continue to hyper-target him. Uh, he got another 10 targets, so he is their solid in that low-end wide receiver two contention uh, on a team that's going to have to throw for the entire season. Alrighty. Uh, on the Dolphins side here, something that I don't think anyone really considered when we were debating Jordan Howard versus Matt Breda in the offseason was the possibility of Miles Gaskin Becoming a legitimate workhorse in Miami. 16 carries and 5 targets in the passing game. Uh, Breda did get 9 carries, but these were in garbage time with them up multiple scores against San Francisco. Gaskin dominated this the workload in this backfield. 4 red zone carries, 3 red zone targets as a receiver. And the fact that Howard was a healthy scratch kind of speaks volumes about how the Dolphins staff feels about Gaskin. I think he's a legit RB2 going forward. I, I'm buying him rest of the season. If you need RB help, uh, you know, five weeks into the year, he's not a fluke anymore. Are you buying into Gaskin? I am in entire agreement as long as Jordan Howard stays inactive for whatever reason. Um, if he's going to be a healthy scratch the rest of the season, I completely agree. That is the major variable in the equation that was not taken into consideration because he was getting all the goal line work. Well, you take a running back that's getting work between the 20s, and then you give him the goal line work, then all of a sudden you have a running back too. And that's what we have, hopefully, for another week in Gaskin. Now here, even if Jordan Howard is playing, they're going against the Jets, who I expect them to wholly dominate. So I think Gaskin's safe here regardless. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dolphins' defense is a little bit underrated as well. Uh, they've certainly been yeah. playing better than they look on paper. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's Miami. They had a lot of draft picks. They uh, added a lot of pieces to this team. It was going to take some time. Did not expect it to uh, go this quickly, but I don't know. Garoppolo was looking a tad rusty himself, so could have been a little fluky, but they're going to do just fine against the Jets. Yeah, but, I mean, imagine this team once two is ready to go. Absolutely. 
Give me the Dolphins. I will take Miami, uh, which you will hear probably a few times again this season, maybe once when they play the Jets again on the road. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think Miami is, you know, low-key getting a, a lot better. Um, it's just hard for me to pick them. Yeah. I hear they've had a storied past. Yep. All right, next game here should be a great one. Green Bay at Tampa Bay. The two Bays and uh, the two old quarterbacks, Rodgers versus Brady. Um, the Packers have been playing very well to open the season, and now they get Devontae Adams back. Uh, you know, I like MVS here as a boomer bust wide receiver four, and even though I'm not completely sold on Robert Tanyan, he does have a decent shot to score against this Bucks defense that's now allowed a touchdown to a tight end in back-to-back games. I would go Tanyan over uh, Valdis Gantling. Um, and then Aaron Jones, despite the tough matchup first Tampa on the ground, he's he's getting some of the passing work, and he's looked amazing. Uh, I think uh, on a per-game basis, he is oh, – I think he's number two, but I, I, he's definitely top three. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Jones, especially with Vita Vea out. Uh, you know, this Bucks defense is hurting yeah, a Yeah, done bit. for the season. Yep. On the Bucks side here, a lot up in the air with injuries to Godwin, Evans, Fournette. Uh, if Godwin and Evans are both active, I can't imagine that you have better options than them. But uh, as I said before, Jair Alexander has been playing very well. Could certainly limit Evans' production, especially with that high ankle sprain. And then, you know, you were right about Gronk. He has really not been a factor thus far in the season. Neither he nor Cameron Brake seem to be integral pieces against the Bears on Thursday night, even with all the wide receiver injuries. So it's hard to start trusting either guy right now. You're basically hoping for a touchdown. Hard to trust the running backs, too. Uh, Ronald Jones was solid, but that was especially after Kishon Vaughn left the game for about two quarters with the injury. He racked up two, 120 yards in the three catches. I'm very, very worried about Fournette's looming return. Uh, you can start him this week, but don't expect huge upside against Green Bay. Yeah, uh, again, in my Dynasty Buys and Sells article last week, uh, Jones was a sell. So you can check that out on Fantrax if you're so inclined here uh it's hard to argue against how well that green bay offensive line's playing how well rogers is playing uh, i'm gonna take the packers i don't want to do it you know it hurts me but uh i'm gonna pick the packers Alrighty, sunday night football is the next game here the la rams at the san francisco 49ers Things are not looking up for those who drafted Tyler Higby. He's played 82% or higher of the offensive snaps in four or five games, but that just hasn't translated to targets. Both Gerald Everett and Josh Reynolds saw more targets than Higby against Washington. He's an iffy tight end too right now. Are you buying him because of the high snap share, or are you selling him because despite that, he's just not being used as a receiver? I am holding right where I'm at and hoping that I picked up another tight end. I mean, I I wasn't drafting Higby much this year. He was going a little high. I believe he was the seventh, depending on your ranking. Some rankers had him at tight end five. I think think ADP, he was the seventh or eighth tight end. And when you get to seven, eight, that sort of thing, um, I like to spend those rounds really on wide receivers and running backs. So, that's like a league I have like a John U. Smith in who is doing quite, quite well, who I spent absolutely nothing on. Um, so you're really in a tough spot. If you have Tyler Higby, I feel for you. Um, 
I would just hold on to him. You, you drafted him. You've got to roll with the punches, but you cannot be starting him right now. Yeah, um, especially against the Niners. Uh, they're tough on tight yep. ends. And for the Rams, too, uh, the backfield is just maddening to decipher. Yeah. A week after Henderson took a backseat to Malcolm Brown against the Giants, he led the backfield in carries and receptions, uh, despite Cam Akers finally being back. So, you know, if I had to pick right now, it's, it's Henderson among the three, but he's just a uh, flex because he can still disappear from week to week. Yeah, Henderson, despite having the touchdown and the most points on the day and 50% of the work, exactly 50% of the running back touches, he was actually the least efficient with the football. So I expect this to flip again. In Akers' first game back, he had just under 25%, and Brown had just over 25%. I think the answer is that McVay probably does want Acres to be the guy, but I just don't see it happening, and I at least not in the coming weeks. And I think we have the exact same situation with lower upside as the Ravens, as I as I talked about earlier. Yeah, and same with Detroit as well. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like uh, everybody in the world, except those coaches, uh, can clearly see these backfields and who should be getting the most work. But uh, sadly, uh, it's up to the coaches. <laughs> Right. I mean, and it's a lot of these newer age coaches, right? I, I mean, Harbaugh has been around a long time, but he certainly brings a lot of great ideas. Well, it's probably more so Daryl Bevel, right, uh, running the running the offense. Um, but the answer of the future is probably not to use a workhorse running back. But if you have one, you know, use him as such. Yeah, and that's why they go, you know, top five overall in drafts. Exactly. They're a rare commodity these days. Very rare. Very hot. Same with uh, the next team here, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo looked like he could barely move around in the pocket, couldn't really put pressure with that high ankle sprain to step into throws, and that led to a bunch of interceptions and him getting benched against Miami. So we're going to see whether he's deemed healthy enough to play against the Rams. It would certainly be a big hit to Kittle, Samuel, and Ayuk if Beathard starts this game. Um, Certainly you still have to start Kittle, and it was – you know, it was good to see that Debo Samuel played almost 100% of the snaps, so the foot is no longer an issue, but, man, I mean, this offense is looking rough with Garoppolo Hurts, and, uh, man, I mean, Samuel and Ayuk just kind of desperation, wide receiver four, wide receiver fives, right? Because C.J. Yep. Beathard, you know, those targets are not, you know, if, if a Patrick Mahomes target... Uh, or if a Nick Foles target is worth 60% of a Patrick Mahomes target, I would say a CJ Beathard target is worth like 30% of a Mahomes target. Yeah, maybe about 15. This is a team that is built to win when they're ahead. If they can't get ahead, um, they're not going to do well. We saw that exactly this week versus Miami. Um, They're not going to come up and chase a team. Uh, The major bit for me for this game was Jarek McKinnon following up on his very solid weeks that we talked about, talked about maybe him being a good play going forward. He had one carry this game. Um, with Mostert having uh, dominating carries. It's just another reminder with these, uh, you know, multi-back backfield teams, do not fall in love with a running back in a committee. You're just going to get yourself hurt. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see that McKinnon did get four targets, but again, these targets didn't really uh, hit home when it was from C.J. Beathard. Um, (laughs) And then don't forget, too, that Tevin Coleman will be back at some point, so that just further muddies this backfield a little bit. Yep. Uh, I mean, got to take the Rams, given the, the QB uncertainty here for San Francisco. 
it's ugly on both sides. I, I'm pretty much uh, picking the Rams' defensive line to win. Sounds like a plan to me. That brings us to our first Monday game. Um, first one is going to be at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, so a little bit earlier. Make sure you Early. got your lineup set. Um, Kansas City at Buffalo should be a great, great game. Probably the best of the week. Um, the entire Chiefs offense struggled, though, after losing left guard Kalecio Semele with Mahomes running for his life for a lot of the second half against the Ravers. Uh, Raiders, excuse me, uh, the Ravers, you know, mm-hmm. partying it up. Although yep. I'm sure they will be partying Party, it up, on their, it up in Vegas. Uh, on their bye week yeah. this week after being the Chiefs. I would be, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> maybe they should consider a, a name change now that they're in Vegas. There we go. <laughs> uh. um, I mean, Mahomes still played incredibly well, but it certainly hurt uh, to lose Assembly uh, as well as Sammy Watkins to a hamstring injury. It sounds like he'll be out for a week or two. Um, I don't think anyone's too concerned about Mahomes, Hill, or Kelsey, but how does this impact your evaluation of Clyde Edwards-Alaire and McCole Hardman going forward? I am glad you asked. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not putting up the totals you drafted for in the first round. He's probably not going to this week versus Buffalo either, but I'm not giving up hope. Um, I would actually try to buy him if possible. If people are uh, getting frustrated, losing games, um, need something to help them quickly, I, I would I would go after Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's getting the touches. He's just not getting the, the touchdowns, so to speak. Um, how do I evaluate him as a running back one? Uh, and the other question was about, um, Nicole Hardman or about Tyreek Hill? Yeah. Hardman. Hardman. I like with, uh, with Watkins missing a bit. He has definitely passed to Marcus Robinson on the depth chart. He is not, um, he's not trusted at this point that he's going to be out there all the snaps as Sammy Watkins was, but even a target, but even a, even a 15% bump getting out there with Mahomes chucking the ball the way he likes to is wide receiver three at worst maybe what do you think yeah i mean you know i love me some hardman uh i've got him as a wide receiver three with a lot of upside tons of upside um and certainly agree with ch as well um the workload's been there and this was a rare game where kansas city played from behind i don't foresee that happening too often this year although this one as you said uh could be another back and forth shootout uh where you don't see quite as many carries for ceh uh but he's still getting involved as a as a pass catcher too just not when they were really down yeah the, the problem was not the offense here um john gruden called a great game and put up 40 points on the kansas city defense it's hard hard to you know hard to win that sort of game no matter who you are yeah i mean the defense has certainly been the issue the entire time during the mahomes era right <laughs> certainly yep. not mahomes yep yeah exactly they get it together at the end of the season so so I expect them to tighten the bolts uh, around week 10. Yeah, I mean, they're still a, a top three Super Bowl favorite, I would say. For sure. All right, so on the Buffalo side here, they will play tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. But right. barring any unexpected injuries, you're starting Allen, Diggs, Singletary, maybe Brown and Beasley too. Um, Brown, of course, with that calf injury, we'll see if he plays. And Allen's playing lights out, but it's still really hard for me to bet against Mahomes. Even with that offensive line injury, missing Watkins, we've seen time and again that, you know, you can stack the deck as much as you want against Mahomes, but he'll find a way, and I think he'll find a way again. 
Yep. Only thing I would add is, uh, given that this is a Tuesday night game, if you are listening to this uh, the day the podcast is released, um, go ahead and check your uh, free agency waiver wires. And uh, if anybody dropped Zach Moss, depending on the format of, uh, you, you know, depending on your platform, you might be able to sneak him by onto your roster just in case he blows up, something happens to Devin Singletary. Uh, to me, he's the most he's the most talented back on this uh, team. So if he's there... I'd grab him. Yeah, and speaking of that, I was going to get into um, this one on the waiver section, but we might as well touch on it now. Ryan Tannehill as well. Um, He could be a nice preemptive pickup because they do get Houston next week. Should be a good streaming option. So if you want to add him preemptively, if your league allows for dropping of bench players, um, then he's another one to consider. Yep. All right, and then the Monday night football game, uh, Arizona Cardinals at the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, this would be much better if it were Kyler versus Dak, but, um, you know, should still be an entertaining game. Uh, A big week, certainly, for Murray and Hopkins, and I foresee another one against this Cowboys secondary. Uh, And then an interesting note is how well Chase Edmonds has been playing. He's been running more effectively than Drake. He's been utilized more as a receiver as well. But Edmund's snap percentage is still under 50%. So, uh, I mean, what do you think about him long term? Is, is it, you know, it's too late to sell Drake now. No one's probably going to, you know, buy him for the price that you paid. But are you buying Edmonds rest of season? Do you think he has a chance to take over this backfield? Or is it going to, you know, stay in this kind of big split between the two of them? Yeah, I, I'm not buying him, but I'm adding him in that, like, I, I would not trade for him. I would not pay that sort of price for him. But as an end, end, of, end of the bench stash, I think he's probably the best. Mm, he's a top three backup running back, I think, right now, just because he might actually take over on his own merit without an injury happening at some point in the season. At the same time, I am still holding out hope for Kenyon Drake. He's not looking like the same running back that he did last year. Um, when he came over to the team and I'm not entirely sure why that is. He's not old. He doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires. Maybe he'll sort of turn things around the way we see some running backs do once we hit mid season. Um, somebody last year, I feel like there was somebody who did that last year. I don't know. Is is that ringing a bell to you at all? Hmm. Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon was like dropped in a lot of leagues last year. Right. I, I feel like we might trick ourselves into this sort of thing with, with Kenyon Drake. So I'm not excited to start him, but I, I, I would still do it. Yeah. I mean, the problem with Drake is that, you know, he's just not getting that receiving work and that's, that's a huge part in PPR leagues, right? Um, Absolutely. Helps your yeah. floor and your ceiling, but. And Edmonds has been great. Six targets, 50 yards, five catches this week. Yeah. I mean, it, do, it certainly doesn't help either of them that uh, Kyler no. Murray is running so much, right? I no. mean, it's great for Kyler Murray and people who have him on their fantasy rosters, but, uh, you know, it, it hurts the running backs like Cam Hurts, Michelle, and uh, Harris and the others. Well, Michelle hurts himself enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, on the Dallas side here, uh, of course, the huge news is that fractured ankle um, for Dak Prescott. He's done for yeah. the year. How does how does Andy Dalton leading this offense change your valuation of Elliott, of Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, Dalton Schultz? I mean, well, how do, I mean it changes everything, but you know, it's a great question. It's a sad loss of a great player for the season, but as they say, it's next man up. Uh, Dalton was not actually, despite you know what recent 
football watchers want to say he, he was not a terrible quarterback in Cincinnati. Um, he finished a couple seasons as a top five fantasy option, as a matter of fact. And as we saw this week, things could be a heck of a lot worse a quarterback than Dallas as they came in and were still able to win this game. If anyone's trying to sell Cooper, Gallup, or Lamb for 50 cents on the dollar, 60 cents, I'd scoop them up. They're going to take a step back. There's no denying that. But they're still going to be very solid fantasy contributors with at fairly high levels, in my opinion, for the three uh, wide receivers. To me, Zeke does not change. Possibly gets a little better, even maybe. Dalton Schultz, though, I, I think is no longer a usable asset. He's probably not even worth a roster spot at this point. I would probably hold him one more week just to be extra certain. Um, but, but if he does nothing here against Arizona, who is um, – not good against tight ends probably okay to just leave him on the in free agency the rest of the season see i'm actually on the exact opposite i think this might help schultz because that you know dalton is not as mobile as dak this could mean more checkdowns to the tight end um we saw that you know when eifert was healthy in cincinnati he got peppered with targets uh this could be an opportunity for schultz so i'm actually on the opposite on the spectrum here i'd be holding or buying um, hmm. But as you said, for the others, I'm not too concerned. I'm not selling for 50 cents on the dollar because the bottom line here is that the Dallas defense is still awful. So regardless, you know, Dalton's going to be slinging it, even if they do want to, you know, hide his deficiencies a little bit. Of course, losing Tyron Smith with that neck injury for the year certainly does not help uh, this offense as a whole. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Does that. it bother you at all that Schultz only had one target this game? Yeah, I mean, that was with Prescott for the majority of the game, though, right? And then... Well, and then Dalton came in and didn't throw to him. Right. But again, you know, that was a close game. And I think, you know, coming off of no first-team snaps that, that week, uh, we'll see. Um, certainly, hmm. I, I mean, it could go either way for Schultz, right? It, it could you easily... start him this week? I mean, yeah, depending on your options. Hmm. Yeah. He's a no-go for me. We can bet on it if you want. I mean, it depend, again, it depends on your options. I, I would start him over Gronk or Brait, but I, I wouldn't start him over, like, Ebron or, I don't know, like, Higby. Seven and a half points. In PPR? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, all right. Sure. Why not? Give me the under. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll All take right. that. I will, there we go. Uh, I will back up my uh, my love for Andy Dalton. Uh, by... I mean, you should pretty much need like two catches for in order to win that one. So that's that's not that's not a bad line for you. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that was a fair line. So. Yep. All right. We will see. Um, I, by the way, I do think uh, currently you are winning in our bets. So. Haven't we only made one, two? Yes, but you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> good. Um, I got to give you a chance to catch me. You know, this might be a little bit too much misplaced faith because I have always kind of been a, an apologist for Andy Dalton, but I'm, I'm still taking the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm actually taking the Cowboys as well um, because there's just too much talent surrounding Andy Dalton. Just like, I mean, just like him and uh, him with AJ Green, just like, you know, Eli Manning with the Giants. When you have that much talent around, you're going to win some games, and I think they win here versus Arizona at home. All right. I, I thought for sure that was one we were going to disagree on, but uh, I guess you kind of 
pop the bubble on that one. I'm sorry. It's all good. We'll both take Dallas. Uh, we'll see what happens. Three touchdowns for CD Lamb. Who's covering him? Nobody. I mean, yeah, I, I think this will be a high-scoring game in general. Yep. All right, we do have four teams on by this week, so make sure uh, you have answers uh, for them. Uh, New Orleans and the L.A. Chargers, who are, of course, playing right now as we are recording. Um, so Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, Michael Thomas, who was out tonight because of a disciplinary issue, not because he couldn't go with the ankle sprain. Uh, interesting. Um, so he should definitely be back after their bye. And then Emmanuel and it's interesting that the team went out of their way to clarify that too, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it really makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, we're seeing with guys like Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, uh, maybe some some of the stuff that bubbles up when uh, you know season isn't going quite as planned. But but even more specifically, we recently had some contract concerns with Alvin Kamara. I, I don't know if that front office is losing the team. I, I you know I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I think you can only say you know this is going to be the year for Breeze for so many years until it's. You know, the, the magic kind of wears off, right? That's fair. I mean, we can only uh, age so far. I mean, even tonight, Breeze is looking, Breeze is looking rough against the Chargers. Uh, certainly a good defense, but still. Yep. Um, so Emmanuel Sanders, Trickon Smith, Jared Cook, those guys out of your lineup um, for the Chargers. Herbert, Kelly, Jackson, Keenan Allen, who is questionable to return right now with an injury. Mike Williams, Hunter yep. Henry. And then you've got the Las Vegas Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks on a bye as well. So you're losing Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and then Russell Wilson. Excuse me, Russell Wilson, uh, Chris Carson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Greg Olson as well. Yeah, now, right now is the time. Well, no, I guess five days from now is the time to trade for Metcalf or Lockett if they're on teams with losing records. There is not going to be very much at all stopping them the rest of the season. They they may very well both finish as wide receiver ones. Yeah, but at the same time, I just I, I don't think anyone's selling. Even if they're you know one and four, I think they're that's kind of that's going to be the foundation of their team, right? They could. What if they have DK Metcalf, Nick Chubb, uh, Leonard Fournette? That could have happened depending on when you drafted. You know? Yeah, I mean it's possible. I just think you're still going to have to pry these guys away. You're, you know, you're going to have to pay you know hundred and ten oh, cents on the dollar. I think I'd pay it for Metcalf. I really do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. All right, uh, let's go through the injuries real quick. We've got, uh, starting with quarterbacks, we've got Dak Prescott, of course, with that fractured ankle uh, out for the season. Awful to see, but for fantasy purposes, Prescott is droppable now in all redraft formats. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield with a rib injury, he's questionable. Pain tolerance will be key as they're probably bruised and not broken. And with Cleveland surprisingly in playoff contention with that crucial matchup against Pittsburgh, I'm sure Mayfield will try to go if possible. I believe he already tweeted uh, something about Mama not raising a you-know-what. Um, but certainly monitor his practice participation this week. Kyle Allen with that arm injury, questionable. He suffered that injury on the big hit from Jalen Ramsey, and Ron Rivera has declared already that Allen will be the starter if healthy, so monitor his practice status. Cam Newton on COVID IR. Uh, he is probable with the Denver-New England game pushed to next week. 
there's a pretty fair chance that Newton will be back if, as long as he tests negative two days in a row or 10 days after the initial positive. And same with Drew Locke with that ro rotator cuff strain. Uh, he's probable as well. Uh, Locke was reportedly already 50-50 last week, so with that game getting pushed, both he and Newton should return. Jimmy Garoppolo with the high ankle sprain is questionable. He returned against the Dolphins, but looked barely mobile on that high ankle sprain and played poorly before being replaced by C.J. Beathard. So San Francisco needs him in this NFC West showdown against the Rams, but they could choose to rest him until he's 100%. Sam Darnold with a shoulder sprain in that throwing shoulder. He is doubtful. Wasn't able to practice at all last week, and it would be surprising uh, if Darnold could return this week until we get him... Uh, until we see him get in a few full practices. I would expect Joe Flacco for at least one more week. Certainly would. As far as the running backs go, Dalvin Cook with the groin strain. He's questionable right now. We don't know the severity of it right now, but with Minnesota on a bye in week seven, they could choose to play it very safe and sit him this week and get the extra bye week to help him heal for the rest of the season. Uh, keep a close eye on the reports here. Nick Chubb with the MCL sprain. He's on the IR and out for at least three more weeks, if not more. Uh, the earliest he could be activated is week eight versus the Raiders, but with Cleveland hang having a bye in week nine, they could choose to give him the extra two weeks to heal if they and have him return uh, week 10 versus the Texans. Heck, they may not even need him versus the Texans. Austin Eckler, hamstring injury on the IR, out for at least three weeks, if not more. The earliest he can be activated is week eight versus Jacksonville. Depending on the severity of his injury, it could be a bit longer than that, but it's not expected to be a season-ending injury at this point. Eckler is worth stashing if you have the roster space on the IR to, or the IR spot for him. And then the Buccaneers backs, Leonard Fournette with the high ankle sprain and Sean McCoy with the ankle injury. Both are questionable. Uh, both of them get a few extra days of rest with Tampa having played on Thursday. We're going to see if either is going to be able to return in a pivotal week six matchup versus Green Bay. So just keep an eye on their status. Christian McCaffrey with the high ankle sprain. He's doubtful on the IR. Uh, he would technically get activated off the IR this week if needed or if able to be, but high ankle sprains generally take about four to six weeks to fully heal. It would be very prudent for Carolina to hold out their franchise running back until fully healthy, and fantasy players with McCaffrey on their rosters should want that as well rather than risk him coming back too soon and either being ineffective or risking re-injury, harming the rest of your season. And Tevin Coleman with a knee injury is questionable. He's on the IR. Uh, Coleman could be activated this week, but with Mustard and uh, McKinnon playing well, he's likely going to need an injury ahead of him to see significant significant playing time on the step chart. Jeff Wilson Jr. still uh, mixing in, too. And at wide receivers, uh, we have Chris Godwin with a hamstring injury who is doubtful still. Um, he will have had three weeks of rest for this important game against Green Bay, but we have seen that these Injuries can take a toll on players, so we'll see if he's able to return, monitor his practice participation this week. Sammy Watkins with a hamstring injury as well, also doubtful. Watkins injured his hamstring early in the game against the Raiders and was not able to return, and the early report sounds like he's going to miss at least one or two games. Julio Jones, another hamstring injury, questionable. He was playing through this hamstring injury early in the season before aggravating it in Week 4 against Green Bay. It's unlikely that he'll be 100% even if he comes back this week, so the best-case scenario for those with Julio on their rosters would be Atlanta holding him out until he's fully healthy for the back half of the season. Deontay Johnson with a back injury, he's questionable. 
Johnson just seems to continually get nicked up. We don't know how serious this back injury is just yet, but those can be tricky to return from, so monitor his practice reports this week. AJ Green with a hamstring injury, he's doubtful as well. Green has historically missed big chunks of the season in recent years with slow recoveries. He wasn't playing well even prior to the injury and is a safe drop outside of deep leagues. DJ Chark with the ankle injury, questionable. He limped off the field late against Houston and we don't know yet how serious this is, so keep an eye on his practice participation this week. Devontae Adams, also a hamstring strain, uh, probable though. He seemed close uh, to returning against the Falcons in week four, so with Green Bay having been on a bye this past week, he should be ready to go. Fire him up. Michael Thomas with a high ankle sprain, also probable to return. He is out tonight, again, for disciplinary reasons and not injury-related, so while frustrating for those with him on their fantasy rosters, the silver lining is that Thomas should be back to full strength after their bye this coming week. KJ Hamler, another hamstring injury, also questionable. His practice participation is going to be key in determining whether or not he can return this week against the Patriots. Keep checking in on his practice status. And finally, Deshaun Jackson with a hamstring injury. These, again, can be aggravated, especially for these older players, so they are being cautious with him and uh, check in on his practice status. And that'll take us to some tight ends. Of course, Dallas Goddard with the fractured fibula. He's on the IR. Earliest he could come back would be week seven versus the Giants, but we'll see if he's ready by then. With Philly on a bye in week nine, we might see him held out until week 10 versus the Giants. And Noah Fant with his ankle, we're going to see if he's going to be able to get some practice this week uh, to get Denver at full strength for their game versus New England. Keep an eye on the reports. All right, and for our waiver wire ads, kicking it off with the quarterback position. First off, we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, 20% rostered in ESPN formats, 21% rostered uh, in Yahoo. And of course, uh, he has been on fire. He has now scored over 20 fantasy points for four weeks straight. And now he gets a Jets defense uh, that just gave up 380 passing yards to Kyler Murray. Fitzpatrick is a fine quarterback one with upside this week. And we've got Ryan Tannehill, who's 34% rostered in ESPN, 48% in Yahoo. And of course, Tannehill, uh, he plays uh, tonight or tomorrow night, depending on when you're listening to this. But Houston secondary for week six uh, has given up some big plays this year, uh, especially if Tennessee has A.J. Brown and Corey Davis both back healthy by then. Tannehill should be a fine streamer, and you could add him preemptively tonight before uh, the Buffalo and Tennessee game kicks off, depending on your league settings, as we talked about. Gardner Minshew, 57% in ESPN, 51% in Yahoo. Outside of that one stinker against Miami a few weeks ago, Minshew has averaged over 21 fantasy points per game. Detroit has gotten burned by quarterbacks all year, but monitor DJ Chark's status for this game. Minshew would be a less confident play if Chark were to be out. And finally, Kirk Cousins, 17% in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. Cousins looked sharp for the most part on Sunday night against Seattle, and this Falcons secondary is giving up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks through five weeks. If you're desperate, Cousins should be a serviceable option this week with some upside as well, despite Minnesota's run-heavy scheme. 
As for the all-important running backs, Chase Edmonds, 47% in ESPN, 64 in Yahoo. Kenyon Drake outtouched him again, 19-8 to versus the Jets. But Edmonds looked like the far more effective runner and receiver out there. It might only be a matter of time before Kingsbury gives Edmonds a chance as the late back. He's the top priority running back running back this ad this week, even over the Minnesota running backs, despite Dalvin Cook's injury. Josh Kelly, 78% across the board, and Justin Jackson, a little less, 43 in ESPN, 54 in Yahoo. With Eckler out multiple weeks with a severe hamstring injury, both Kelly and Jackson have plenty of fantasy relevance. It's surprising to see their low roster percentages as both are viable flex plays or possibly even running back twos. We're going to see tonight how the Chargers split the workload for the backfield. So far in the first half, it's been practically 50-50. Damian Harris, 40% in ESPN, 54 in Yahoo. Unless you need a running back to start just for the week, Harris is also a better rest of season add over the Minnesota running back with Sony Michelle on IR, he has a chance to see the bulk of the early down work for New England. He's just a flex for now with White and Burkhead involved, but he has more long-term upside than Madison. Alexander Madison, 42% in ESPN, 40 in Yahoo, and Mike Boone, uh, zero across the board. With Alvin Cook potentially out this week for an excellent matchup versus an inept Atlanta defense, Alexander Madison would presumably be a running back two with running back one upside. And Boone's a desperation flex as well if Minnesota divvies up the back field more than expected. Again, Cook's groin injury isn't presumed to be serious from what we currently know, which is why Madison and Boone aren't higher priority ads. That said, if you need a running back to start uh, to start this week for a win, Madison is the best option over Edmonds, Kelly, and Harris. Adrian Peterson uh, for the Detroit Lions. Jacksonville gives up the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Peterson has been Detroit's goal line back for the most part, despite a messy committee overall. He's a touchdown dependent flex with a decent shot to score this week and i it pains me to mention him but jordan wilkins if you're desperate wilkins saw very little work versus cleveland when the colts trailed but he saw nine carries in each of their three prior games cincinnati he has been gassed by the run and indy could do well, could run a lot if they get out to a lead which they probably will here even with taylor there jordan wilkins might be a viable running back for this week and at wide receiver, uh, we've got T. Higgins at 42% rostered in ESPN, 53% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Surprisingly enough, Higgins is going to be the number one ad at, at excuse me, wide receiver this week. Not Chase Claypool, despite his four-touchdown day. With A.J. Green potentially missing some time with a hamstring injury, Higgins could become a consistent wide receiver, too, with wide receiver one upside if he starts getting the target volume that Green was seeing early in the year. But of course, Chase Claypool is up next, 9% ESPN, 16% Yahoo. Higgins is the better long-term ad, with Deontay Johnson expected back at some point from his back injury, but there's no doubt that Claypool has proven worthy of a big role, even with Johnson and Juju there. He could be what we wanted Martavis Bryant to be, and he's a wide receiver three going forward at the very least, with possibly more potential than that. LaVisca Chenault, 32% ESPN, 34% Yahoo. Chenault has established himself as the clear number two behind Chark and led the team in targets against Houston. Hopefully you added him after we talked about Chenault on the waiver wire section last week because he's probably going to require a higher fab bid now, especially with Chark questionable with an ankle injury. Preston Williams, 37% ESPN, 22% Yahoo. Williams' snap percentage didn't significantly, significantly increase against San Francisco, nor did his target share so he's not an automatic start going forward. 
But that said, we're seeing that he can dominate in good matchups despite flopping against Seattle, so the upside with Williams is certainly there rest of the season. Brandon Cooks, 61% ESPN, 44% Yahoo. Apparently all it takes for Cooks to rebound is Bill O'Brien getting fired. Like Williams, he figures to remain inconsistent going forward, but Cooks is worth an add now that we finally got to see his upside as well. McCole Hardman, 38% in ESPN, 40% Yahoo. With Watkins leaving the game against the Raiders with that hamstring injury, Hardman played a season-high 69% of the snaps on offense. It didn't translate to production with the Raiders running the ball and dominating time of possession in the second half, but Hardman will be an, a high upside wide receiver three in a projected shootout versus Buffalo if Watkins is out. Cole Beasley, 31% ESPN, 29% Yahoo. Josh Allen continues on his MVP pace, so as long as Allen's shoulder is fine, Beasley really doesn't get to see a scary matchup against the Chargers in Week 12 after Buffalo's bye. Beasley is a serviceable wide receiver three right now, given the efficiency of that Bills offense with added upside if John Brown misses any time with his calf injury. Travis Fulgham, uh, not rostered in ESPN formats, 3% rostered in Yahoo. With the Eagles' other wide receivers all injured and teams doubling Zach Ertz, Fulgham has become Wentz's go-to for right now. That said, don't blow a ton of fab on him with a tough matchup against Baltimore this week and then Jackson and Jeffrey on the cusp of returning soon. Mike Williams, 36% roster in ESPN, 39% on Yahoo. He's already got a touchdown tonight against the Saints, and uh, you know Herbert is playing lights out, has been very accurate on those deep shots. Williams is a wide receiver three with upside. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, 44% in ESPN, 67% Yahoo. With Alan Lazard out for a few weeks or more, following that groin surgery, MVS has boomer bust wide receiver four, or maybe even flex potential, playing across from Adams for as long as Lazard is out. And finally, Randall Cobb, as with Brandon Cooks, we saw Houston's offense finally come to life a little bit with O'Brien gone. Just a wide receiver four for right now, but he has upside if Fuller or, Co or Cooks excuse me, were to miss time, as both have done so frequently in the past. And as for the tight ends, Eric Ebron, 38% in ESPN, 53% rostered in Yahoo. Ebron has played 75% or more of the snaps on offense in each of the last three weeks, which should go well for his matchup versus Cleveland, who is giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends through five games so far this season. Jordan Atkins, 3% in ESPN, 8 in Yahoo. And Darren Fells, 1% in ESPN, 2% in Yahoo. Tennessee has given up three touchdowns to tight ends in their three games played so far this year. If Aikens returns, he should be the better start, having played more snaps until his injury. If he's out, Fells is worth the dart throw, given the disastrous state of tight ends right now. And Irv Smith Jr., 4% in ESPN, 6% in Yahoo. Smith played a season-high 68% of the snaps on offense in their loss to Seattle and ran a pass route on 73% of the snaps he played. He's far from a reliable start, but Atlanta secondary is devastated by injuries, and we remember Robert Tynion's three-touchdown night versus the Falcons back in Week 4. Could be a high upside play here. And a few defenses to consider for this week. First off is Miami, 2% uh, rostered in ESPN and Yahoo!, the Dolphins' defense has played fairly well this year, all things considered, and they should be a fine streaming option against the hapless Jets in Week 6. If you can't get them, the Cleveland defense, 17% in ESPN, 28% Yahoo. The Browns' defense is heating up, led by Miles Garrett. While Philadelphia wasn't able to get home against Roethlisberger, 
They did get pressure on him a lot and forced a fumble, so Cleveland is in play this week. And finally, the Arizona defense, 58% in ESPN and 74% in Yahoo. Yes, both Los and I took the Cowboys in that game, but they have turned the ball over a league-high 11 times already this year. And they just lost left tackle Tyron Smith for the year with that neck injury. So even with Chandler Jones out, Arizona could find some success against the Dalton-led Cowboys this week. As always, uh, you know we're happy to help you here. If you've got more specific questions regarding your team or league, hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully you're 3-2 and two or 4-1, and one, but even if you're 0-5, it's still an early season, uh, early in the season. Crazier things have happened. Um, you are not yet at the point where you are out of playoff contention, so um, keep adding these guys off waivers. Try your best to make some trades if you are 0-5 or 1-4 because you do need to make some moves to get some wins now and uh, don't be afraid to make some big trades if you have to if you have more specific questions uh, you can find us on twitter i'm at ffa underscore mung that's m-e-n-g and you can find me at ffa underscore los just to double down on what mung said this is the exact week of the season where i like to bring up um not 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 humble brag or anything but just to show you that there is a case study it can happen i started the season 0-5, got into the playoffs, finished narrowly, narrowly missing the finals, uh, and uh, finished in third third place for the season. So if you start slow, you can certainly find a way in. Uh, so so ne never fear. Always play. Always pay attention. Always make the waiver ads. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just axing it. Thanks, addicts. Ever wonder why luxury hotel mattresses are so dreamy? It's because those hybrid mattresses combine both comfort and support to make you feel like you're sleeping on a cloud. With Dream Cloud, you can get a luxury mattress made with premium materials at half the price of traditional hybrid mattresses. Dream Cloud combines the perfect blend of comfy memory foam and supportive springs. Comfortable sleep is about more than just the mattress you sleep on. And that's why every Dream Cloud also comes with $399 in accessories. Plus get $200 off a 365-night home trial, free shipping and returns, and a forever warranty. Go to dreamcloudsleep.com today. Oh. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.